All right, episode four, no notes, the show with no research, just people talking, Jared Bailey with you. My guest today, the fantastic voice of Impact Wrestling in the Patriot podcast, he is Tom Hannafan. It's good to see you again, man. Uh, we did yeah. something together, oh, I don't know, when was that, like November, December-ish, maybe? Yeah, something like that. I was... Uh... In, in retrospect, a little bit before things changed for me in wrestling. So, right, uh, right, yeah, yeah. So, it, it was interesting. It's nice to catch up, I guess, on the other side. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's good to see you again. Your hair's different, it looks good. Yeah, thanks. You know, it's just, you know, just, I, I got to keep the fade going because like the grays are coming in on the side. So, it's the only thing that can really mask it. So, it's the best I can do at 33. <laughs> I, uh, I know I look like somebody who cuts their own hair because I am. You know, I wasn't going to say anything. I don't know if Joe Dirt is your hairdresser or something like that, but you know, it's unique, and you do yeah. you, man. You do. Yeah, you. no. The uh, the goal. So it was. Yeah, what was it? The goal. <laughs> the goal. I'll I'll let you know what the goal is. Uh, so it was 2021, the day before I flew down for the Senior Bowl. I was mm. like, you know what? I think I was go also going through like a midlife crisis at that point because I had just gone mm. through like a breakup, and mm. I just wanted to do everything that I wanted to do. So I was like, you know what? I'm perming my hair. And so I did that. And now I think the goal is to like almost get like a Patrick Mahomes thing going where like it's the the thing oh, all the way down. Yeah. And then so what is the early. name of that Mahomes haircut? I don't know. It's very popular, obviously. It's probably it is. Mahomes yeah. because he made yeah. it popular, I think. But there had to be somebody before him. I don't well, know. I mean, Odell kind of had something similar. His kind of came to like a V. That's what I do Ooh. in mine. It's like it goes to like a V in the back. Mm. Um, so yeah, something in that family of hairstyles, but I was just gotta. I gotta keep it fresh. That is. I feel like that's what my generation. You gotta, is, you gotta is keep up with on. the time. Wait, how old are you? Twenty three. Twenty three. Oh, get the, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> what was that about? As you're ten years younger than me. <laughs> good for you. Hey, no, you don't look a day over twenty five, Tom. That's good. That's good. We'll, we'll keep it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even know where I want to start with you. I, I mean, I've got your alma mater hanging behind me, by the way. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, it's a, it's something very near and dear to my heart, and my my family uh, is very, uh, very much entrenched uh, in all things Penn State. Uh, my mom uh, went there. Uh, my brother was there two years ahead of me. So um, it's funny because, like, I think naturally, I think there's a point where people will hear you be proud of your college or something like that, and you can take it one of two ways. It's like, oh, that's really cool, or something like that, or it's like affiliated with your sports team or something like that. And some people, uh, I think, maybe get turned off by it, and they think it's kind of uh, an elitist sort of thing or whatever. Sure. And I'm like, no, this is something literally since I was a little kid. My mom was playing the blue band uh, tape, like those like tapes back in the day for all you crazy kids, uh, <laughs> tapes that you'd put into like uh you know like a uh, i don't even boom box or something like that and uh she would play the blue band stuff throughout the house i'm like as a little kid it was the coolest thing ever and i, I saw lavar errington who played in the national football league for the new york giants and the washington football team and was a monster he was a killer at penn state he was amazing and uh i remember watching him play at beaver stadium and i was too young to really understand what was happening on the field. You know, I just knew I'm like, football's awesome. And I, at any given time I was like, is LeVar on the field? Is LeVar on the field? And like, it'd be special teams or it'd be offense. And it's like, no, he's not out there. But like when he was on the field, it was just electric. It was appointment television. And I remember going to a game. It was against Indiana. And for anybody that's a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, uh, Antoine Randall L was the quarterback for the university of Indiana. 
So it just shows you how much things change for him. Played wide receiver in the National Football League. So, uh, and I remember Lavar just chasing him all over the field. So it was something that was just part of my family and then my community as a whole for for years. So when I started applying to colleges, Penn State obviously was at the top of my list, but there were a lot of other schools as well. So um, I nearly wound up at the University of Ohio. Oh. Um, the University of Ohio is a great journalism program. Yeah. And uh, it just came down to uh, I had gotten accepted to Penn State. And at the time, I was waiting on an acceptance letter of any kind or denial from the University of Ohio. So I had sent them a letter to let them know, hey, I'm accepting for Penn State. And then two weeks later, they're like, oh, you got into our journalism college. And I was like, OK, if I'd gotten this, maybe I would have considered this. And this maybe was the option for me to go to Athens, Ohio. But the rest is history. I was going to say, it seemed to work out well. See, this is why I think bringing you on is also very cool because I think we have a lot in common. We're the, both Pennsylvania kids, both journalism, uh, you know, the path that we chose for our lives. Um, so, um, yeah, no, I do. I do appreciate the similarities there for me though. I mean, yours was LeVar Arrington. My dad was a big Penn state fan growing up. He didn't go to Penn state. I think he, mm -hmm. you know, my dad lived in PA all his life too. So that was just kind of what he attached himself to. For me, that player was, uh, Paul Puzlosny, I think, was the first one that I vividly I've, recall. I have had the pleasure of having him on my podcast, uh, Pater, the Penn State football show, for all of you that are interested. It's on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we had him on for an episode, and he was the nicest guy. He was That's what so I've heard. Cool. Is that he's, oh, that he's my God. Cool. He was a wonderful guy to talk to. Smart as hell, too. He was a, some yeah. sort of engineering major at Penn State, wasn't he? He, yeah, ah, uh, God, I don't, I don't remember exactly. I think you're right. Um, he is now working for like a missile defense company. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm like shilling my podcast, but like seriously, like he explains it on the episode of Pater. Like, look it up. Uh, it's really cool. It was in the lead up to the Outback Bowl, so we had him on as a guest to kind That's of like great. walk down memory lane with bowl games. And he was like, oh, you know, I'm doing this. Um, working for this company. It's just like a civilian job, like a normal job or something like that. <laughs> and he's he's trimmed down. Like I, that's always the thing I'm really happy about for any ex-athlete is that they get to a manageable like build and and weight. Like um, Joe Thomas from the Cleveland Browns was a house, and he trimmed down. And he looks amazing, and it's yeah. like you can't carry that weight. You can't be that big all your life. And uh, Puzz looks great. He you know looks like he's doing great. He's healthy and he's got a good job. I was gonna say that team. So the earliest memories that I have. Um, so my mom is actually a Michigan fan and my dad is a Penn State mm. fan. So like that was a, gotcha. divided, a divided household once a year. Um, one of the earliest memories I have was uh, the game where um, they put like a second back on the clock in the final play of the game and Henny threw a touchdown pass to Mario Manningham. And that was oh. like, Penn State, I think that was Penn State's yeah. first loss of the year. Yeah, that, that was yeah, one of the earliest memories really... I had of that developed a deep-seated hatred for Mario Manningham and Drew Henney because they put the extra second on the clock. Lloyd yeah. Carr was complaining to the officials. He got his way. They were in the big house. And, like, <laughs> and then even like Drew Henney's still in the NFL, I think it is with the he's, Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. He's still yeah, he backs the, up Mahomes. Henny thing um, is possible. Yeah, exactly. And like, I, listen, I don't hate the player because he's been in the NFL for so long. Like he's making Chase yeah, Daniels say, get his bag, man. Like, like money. Oh yeah, good for him. I'm, I'm happy whenever that happens. But like every time he trots out on the field, like this little twinge of hate pops up in me. And then Mario Manningham, especially because he played for the oh, Giants yeah. for a bit, and I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, being from the Philly area. It was just every time we played the Giants, I was reminded of that throw from Henny to Manningham to beat Penn State. And I was like, memories. <laughs> 
I mean, they won the Big Ten that year, and they beat Florida State in the Orange Bowl. Bobby Bowden was the coach then, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was a that was an amazing run because like Penn State had been not great in the early 2000s yeah. to the point that they were calling for Joe Paterno to mm-hmm. step down or be fired altogether. Like they were a losing football team. And um, the the funny thing about it was, so they they win the Orange Bowl. Michael Robinson's the quarterback. Tony crazy Hunt, running back. Tony Hunt, it was a crazy game against Florida State. So what happened is that um, applications to Penn State spiked because of that. So my brother got onto campus. I'm trying to think. He was uh, he got in summer session 2005 um, because he kind of just beat the wave of that so then when i applied the numbers just went through the roof so they were like you have your pick of branch campuses like we can't let people so many people are applying and so many obviously great people are applying and i guess my grades weren't breathtaking to them (laughs) i had a good gpa my sat was bad so i'm like oh okay i'm going to a branch campus but you know like you said it all worked out which Uh, branch did you go to I went to Altoona, Altoona, okay. Pennsylvania. So for anybody that's not familiar, State College is smack dab center of the state in Pennsylvania. And then just about 45 minutes by car west is a little town called Altoona, A-L-T-O-O-N-A, affectionately known as Toontown. And that was the closest branch campus to main campus. And my goal was to commute to the main campus so that I could participate in the student radio, which is still there. It's called Com Radio. It does... Uh, amazing work they turn out some really great talent so i would drive there every single weekend um to party with my brother and then also take part (laughs) in shows i would go during the week and take part in meetings etc and just trying to get my feet wet whether it was you know talk radio play by play for different sports you name it and uh that was like my first two years i had to be in altoona and then i got to main campus junior and senior year i'm glad that you had a good radio thing because i was also in radio at slippery rock and mm. my freshman year, it was great. And then like my, I want to say it was my junior year. Oh, it sucked. Oh, I hated it. So then Why? I stopped doing it. Um, the per- like the people in charge of it. Um, so we, we were completely student run. Like we had like an advisor who like we mm. would, you know, let like keep them informed about stuff. That way they could keep the university informed about what we were doing, but they didn't really have a say in what we were doing. So like, um the person who was in charge of it my freshman year was really cool and things were fun you know did the show and whatnot um and then sophomore year after he graduated um it started kind of taking like a small turn and then by my junior year i just Mm. it wasn't fun so Mm. that's when i'm sorry oh yeah no it's okay i mean it all seems to have worked out in the end but uh yeah that is that is why now one of my favorite professors actually ended up taking over it so he's trying to fix it which is cool that's Um, great yeah, so uh, that was that was the radio experience for me at Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. I'm I'm lucky in that the I, I've maintained a lot of relationships not only with the guys that I went to to school with, like, and I constantly uh, am touching base with them in regards to learning more as I'm you know dabbling more in the conventional sports world. Um, they've helped me so much just in terms of like, hey, how do you prep? What do you do for these different games, et cetera. Um, you know, just kind of playing that game, so to speak. And at the same time, I have a friend of mine who's involved in, uh, in, in movie making. And we, we did a radio talk show together, and we talk about that stuff all the time. And the general manager then is still the general manager now at Com Radio. His name is Jeff Brown. He's a phenomenal human being. He does a great job running the place. And then uh, you talk about professors. I'm still 
very close with one of my um, communications professors, a guy by the name of Mike Porman who writes for statecollege.com. And I've had him on my podcast and he and I touch base every once in a while. And he's just so helpful. He gave me one of my first internships and um, just have learned a lot of from these people over the years. So like, again, like, it's not just like, oh, I like Penn State because I like the football team. It's like, no, like I've, I'm very fortunate that my family and my friends, I've got this great network and community because I had that opportunity to go to that school to be a part of that uh, area. So it, it's just worked out, man. And not everybody can say that. So I'm yeah. very lucky. Yeah, no, I can definitely relate to that where, you know, I had a lot of caring people who were there to lift me up and the entire department there, man, like I still talk to a lot of my professors who like, I remember it was my freshman year. Um, mm. My, you know how like freshman year you have like that seminar thing that like all oh, freshmen have to take or whatever. Did you have that? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, Something yeah. like that. It's like an orientation sort so, of thing. Yeah, yeah. basically. So uh, my professor for that, she was the, uh, one of the PR heads and she kept trying to like convert me to be a PR major. And I was like, look, you're great. I'm not doing that. Uh, but she, her and I became like very close and like, um, so my birthday like fell the week after we left. And so the like the final class we had, she like got a cake and everything. And she like went the whole nine yards just because like her and I had gotten so close. And like other professors have really helped me. I still keep in contact with a ton of a ton of people who just I wouldn't be in any sort of position I'm at without them. So I think that that's the big mm-hmm. that's the biggest part of the college experience for me. Like outside of like, yes, obviously the you know, the partying, the social social things for four years yeah the fun part of it but like when it comes to the actual schooling part of it like if you you know care about what you're doing and you care about the people who you know want to help you that makes it that made the experience for me that much better i'm uh, a big big reason why i still miss it very much yeah it's a it's a limited window like you get to enjoy yourself and then um yeah I, i got to study abroad um second semester of sophomore year i was in dublin ireland and even nice. those relationships what's that i bet that was nice oh it was great it was fantastic yeah. <laughs> 19 year old <laughs> idiot running around dublin um but it was great that, but even then those those relationships happen in a bubble and right. if you if you manage to study abroad in college i don't know what it's like now but like you know when i was uh when i was in school um it's really tough to maintain those friendships because they happen in a vacuum and yeah. you're you're very lucky to be there and usually you're getting a full ride to be there or something like that so to maintain those friendships on the other side of it uh can be very difficult but if you can um they're so rewarding they're magnificent friendships there are a lot of relationships that i don't want to word this i think that people talk about like high school being like a big like the quote-unquote best years like college for me man that was I think the people that I've met in college have definitely helped shape my life more than those in high school did by a hundred percent because you, you have no idea who you are in high school. Oh yeah. You could, you could change your identity if you want to, if you go to college far away enough, you, you, you really don't know who you are as a person until you're in your thirties, you know, seriously, like your brain is still developing that, Tom. well into your twenties. No, I mean, seriously, like it's, it's one of those things. Like if I knew then what I know now and I know what I was like in high school and I didn't enjoy high school very much and I couldn't really find my place in the world. And I started to find it in college. And I'm really lucky that my close circle of friends, which I can count on one hand, largely came from Penn State. And those are guys that, yeah, they got to know Tom when he first was like 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. 
And then it's like, yeah, like that, that person's very different now. And they're still there. They're still backing me up. They were still in each other's lives, et cetera. There's nothing better than that. I've been very fortunate to be blessed with a very close friend who's in the room directly across from me and has been for the past five years of our lives. Um, those are the types of like best friends throughout high school, best lived with each other throughout college, still fucking living with each other. Jesus. With <laughs> um, the rent. There's no wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So no, um, I don't know where I would be without him and his family. Um, so Beautiful. those are, yeah, no, it's great. Um, so yeah, I think that there's something to be said for having a small circle rather than, you know, a large pond. Um, yeah. I mean, I think simply because of the, the 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 company that I used to work for and the job that I've maintained, you naturally have a large network. Oh yeah, you naturally meet people all over the country, all over the world sometimes, and and I still don't understand that sometimes. And it can be challenging to maintain those friendships and relationships, but the important ones stick. Uh, that there's right. no there's no getting around that. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with you. The the smaller the better in terms of your circle of friends. I'm going to put that on my headstone. The smaller, the better. <laughs> that won't get misinterpreted. No, Go no, not at all. Not at all. Oh, man. Uh, I did have, I will say this. I did have a complicated relationship with Penn State last year. Mm, how's that? Uh, the ex-girlfriend transferred to Penn State, which is kind of a reason why we split. So, like, I'm sitting there mm. watching Penn State games, like, rooting for them to win, obviously. But, like, in the back of my head, I'm like, I mean, this would make her angry. So, like... <laughs> that little petty stuff comes up that that'll happen but i'm sorry that happened to you it's okay so what years did you go to penn state what years were you there i was there 2007 to 2011 all right let's see if i can name all the quarterbacks that were there in your time it was 2007 <laughs> that was anthony morelli yes okay rough, <laughs> rough. and i like I want to. I, I, I've not exactly said nice things about him on my podcast. Like I try to be as nice as possible. I feel like Penn like, State fans don't really have much of nice. Well, things he to say he was he was a guy that was uh, hyped significantly, and it's something that like now for me, you know, being in conventional sports and wrestling, but like when there's a dude who's like a five star recruit, everybody says he's gonna walk on. Was really a five star recruit? I can't remember, but he was very highly touted. Like real, everybody's like he's gonna be awesome. Whatever. <laughs> And he could throw the ball a country mile, but that was about all of his gifts. Right. And uh, it just didn't really work out on the field. There were a bunch of guys after the fact that uh, followed in his footsteps and had a lot of success. Um, and my co-host on Pater is yeah. Matt McGloin, who um, took the helm in 2011 and 2012, which was a pivotal year, the Jerry Sandusky scandal yeah. in 2011, yeah. the team that stuck around and was sanctioned in 2012. So um, there was a lot of turnover and change during that time, the end of Joe Paterno's life during that time. So, uh, yeah, I saw a lot of quarterbacks. And it's like I, I would love to talk to Anthony Morelli. We, I, like, we've dug up some really great guests, and I get to talk to guys that – um, you know, I grew up watching and it's kind of that old adage of like, don't meet your heroes, but I'm, I'm so fortunate. I mentioned like Paul Pazlesny, Alan Robinson, Tom Bahali. Um, we've just gotten to talk to so many great guys and every last one of them has been awesome. Like they've all been really great people. So right. I have yet to have a bad experience with any former Penn state player. That entire 07 team. I mean, was he, I think was Derek Williams still there? Like Dion Butler, Jordan Nord. They had a great receiving core. I think that was like the tail end of when they were there. Like I'm terrible with like this guy arrived in this year and he left. Right, this right, year. right, right. That trio yeah. but, was but killer. Absolutely ungodly. 
Yeah. Um, so let's see, Morelli was 07. Daryl Clark. I I think was came Darryl, after it was Daryl Clark after that. And then Daryl Clark was followed by just Rob a mess. It was Rob Bolden, who was also Anthony Morelli esque. And not you know, great. I remember the, the year they played Alabama early on in the year. I think was was Rob Bolden the starter for that? Do you recall? I think so. I want to yeah, say so. It was like it was him. Uh, Kevin Newsom was on the oh roster. Oh my god, I forgot about Matt McGloin arrived in 2008, so he was battling for for reps at some point. Jesus. It like I think 2010. It was like McGloin, Bolden, McGloin, Bolden. They kept going back and forth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bolden. I have tape from a game that I called at Iowa, Penn State at Iowa, and Rob Bolden's quarterback. And it's me doing like some of my earliest play-by-play. And I still have the tape. And I remember pulling it up like I had it and not listened to it in years. And I'm listening to it back. And it was like Bolden drops back to pass. And I was like, Bolden? And I had to remind myself, <laughs> oh, my God, Rob Bolden. And I, he transferred to like LSU. And uh, there's another guy where I'm like, yeah, I'd love to talk to him and see what's going on with him. That's fantastic. Yeah, that was uh, quite the – Daryl Clark was okay. Daryl Clark was very good. Oh, Daryl Clark was excellent considering athletic. Like if he would, if he played in like this was, era, I feel like he could have been relatively successful at the next level. He was um, because you had Michael Robinson who transitioned from like wide receiver slash running back and then became yeah. a quarterback. And then you go to Anthony Morelli. Morelli does not do well. Daryl <laughs> Clark. I think a lot of people looked at him and unfairly were like, Oh, he's going to be just like Michael Robinson. Mm-hmm. And that's, a dated way of looking at things. Patrick Mahomes has commented on, you know, racial stereotypes within quarterbacking. And I completely agree. I think that's what a lot of people thought. Daryl was a very different guy. Was he athletic and could he run? Yeah, but he wasn't that fast, you know, nimble quarterback or something like that. He could get you some yards, but ultimately he was very good pocket passer and a very good game manager. I know that's a a dirty word for quarterback, but he was a smart dude and he was a very solid quarterback. If he'd had more time, as the starter, I think he could have done some really magnificent things at Penn State, but um, he did a really good job with the time he was there. I can't wait to read the comments on this, by the way. Like all the impact fans who tune in are like, what the fuck? They spent 20 minutes talking about Penn State. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> there's no, well, there's no notes. So there's no exactly, direction. Exactly. Yeah. This is Jarrett's idea, not mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing, man. So the point of this is also because, like, I had, I had Sean Ross Sapp on episode one of this, and like, for every show that everybody that I talk to does, like I imagine every interview Sean does, it's purely wrestling. Everything that Amy Trask does. Okay. Fair enough about Amy Trask. Like I love Amy Trask and she's like one of the pioneers of women in football. So I talked about football with Amy Trask. Um, But you know, when I bring people on, like this is more so to get to know them personally. Like I told you, like this is more so to get to know Tom Hannafan, the person, not Tom Hannafan of impact wrestling, if that makes sense. Sure. No, I understand that. I, and not to be a jerk, Hannah Finn. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I'm, I'm, so just, sorry. I'm, I'm trying to win hearts and minds here with my real last name. So it's one <laughs> step at a time. I had to beat that into David Penzer's head after oh. a couple of tapings because he'd be like, Tom, Hannah Finn. And I was like, I told you in the back that it's Hannah Finn. And Penzer's a, a sweet man. Um, and I'm sure I'll get a lot of flack at work how for saying that. It, but yeah, he's a nice guy. How long did it take to like beat people out to like stop calling you Tom Phillips? 
Um, it really didn't take long, you know, it didn't take long, at least within impact. And like, that's kind of my experience is just what it's like around impact people. Um, big shout out to Brian Myers, uh, the, the digital media champion as of this taping and big toy Um, collector, Brian Myers, big, huge toy collector. Check out the major wrestling figure podcast. Uh, He's a big fan. Brian Myers. I remember doing commentary with me, uh, in the first taping that I did after hard to kill. And he made a point whether he whether he meant to do it or not but like i just appreciate it is that he drove my last name into the ground in addressing me and he called me hannafin multiple times and he's a guy who understands it he went from being kurt hawkins to brian myers you've got to get your name across you've got to get people to remember you so uh i have appreciated that from just about everybody but there's still guys that interact with like steve macklin is one of my closest friends from back in the day in in wwe he used steve cutler there and i call him cuddy to this day and he'll call me phillips (laughs) and uh so some things stick steve macklin's fantastic by the way he is outstanding he is an outstanding talent, and I think we're just scratching the surface of what he's capable of, uh, capable of in Impact Wrestling. Because uh, he, he was a tag team guy in, in WWE and NXT uh, was primarily where he got his opportunity, and you know he was in the Monster Factory in New Jersey. So when he got signed by WWE, he was not some big time indie name. It was not right. like the signings of Adam Cole and and Ricochet, and the list goes on and on. Those guys that got signed by the Performance Center at that time by NXT um, had a really tough road uh, to to go down because they didn't have a gimmick. They didn't have notoriety that you could just trot them out there and they'd get a reaction, good or bad. So he was trying to find, like, what's my character? What do I do? What are my things in the ring that are not being given to other talent? What what can I do to stand out? And it's just uh, it's it's a challenging opportunity there. So um, to his credit, he kept on going. Um, got a brief run on SmackDown with the Forgotten Sons, and now in Impact Wrestling, he's doing some phenomenal work as a singles competitor. Um, and like I said, he's just getting started. My uh, my namesake Speedball over there is also doing fantastic stuff. I was so happy. <laughs> he's great. I think he had just debuted when we had spoken first. Um, okay. So I think that was right around the timeline where they did that fatal four way at. Um, oh, no. So, well, you and I spoke when November or December? Uh, it's somewhere in there. I can't exactly remember there. when, but yeah. it was somewhere. So in there. he debuted at Hard to Kill. Yeah. And that was my, my debut as well. He had been unable to compete in the United States. So for him to get that opportunity with Impact Wrestling was huge. And he was awesome. I'd never seen any of his work before that. Like I had done as much research as I could, but I was like, all right, well, there's something to discovering a guy live and just seeing what he can do. And I was wowed. I had so much fun calling that match with D'Lo Brown. And that was on the pre-show. That was on the countdown hard to kill. Um, It's still on YouTube. You can check it out. He was awesome. And now uh, he's X division champion. He's doing a really, really good job. How of a match that was too, by the way, ultimate X. Oh my God! Yeah, it's Slammiversary. He wins the X Division Championship, so um, he's defending it again um, on Friday, August twelfth at Emergence. That's live on Impact Plus, Fight TV, and YouTube for Ultimate Insiders. Uh, it's in Chicago. If you feel like heading out there, so yeah, he is he is outstanding. And again, he's another guy who I think is just getting acclimated to working TV on a regular basis. And that's a good thing because he's already pretty darn good. And once he puts it all together, uh, he's going to have a nice, uh, nice product. There's so much emerging talent that I'm happy you're starting to get recognized. Um, Cause for a while there, like impact was like the little promotion that could, it was still holding on. It went through a bunch of 
name changes, like with Global Force Wrestling for a minute, back to Impact and whatnot. So seeing them kind of rise, it, it's been so awesome. I'm so happy for you that you have you're the Thank voice you. of this. Um, and just a roster full of talent that is so much fun to watch week in and week out. Um, how has it been, by the way? Mia Yim showed up. I was so happy to see her. Yeah, me that too. was great. Yeah, I remember seeing her at, a, at Under Siege, and I was just so happy to see her again. She's just this ray of light as a human being. So um, it's been really cool to see her get added to what's just a crazy good knockouts division, the women's division in Impact Wrestling. Um, before it was something popular to say on TV, was doing stuff that was revolutionary, that was different within women's wrestling. So adding Mia to the mix is just a fantastic fit. But yeah, dude, there's been a lot of familiar faces. And I think the thing that I liked when I showed up in Impact is that yeah, there were some familiar faces people I'd worked with in WWE, but everybody to one degree or another, whether they're coming up uh, or they were veterans, is that they all had they all have something to prove. Everybody has a chip on their shoulder. I have a chip on my shoulder. I have something to prove. So I really enjoy working with those people. And and to your point, it, it's pretty well known that W. I'm sorry, uh, AEW um, basically grabbed the production department of Impact Wrestling when they got off the ground. Um, they're still based in Nashville. So imagine if your spinal cord was ripped out of your body and you had to keep walking. That's exactly what Impact Wrestling did, and they're still here. We just celebrated 20 years of Impact Wrestling at Slammiversary in June. So I respect the hell out of everybody there that has kept the train moving because it is a damn good wrestling show. And I know, yeah, I work for them, but as an unbiased wrestling fan, it's a really good show. As somebody who grew up on... That golden era of TNA with you know guys like Kurt Angle, Sting, Christian Cage, um, the triple threat with uh, the infamous one with AJ Styles, uh, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, like that was some of the defining wrestling of that era. Not just mm-hmm. that era though, of the past thirty years. And so to see them and to see guys like Scott Demore still pushing the hell out of this promotion and making it as great as it is today, it's fantastic. And I love Josh Alexander. That is a. Mu- I mean, anytime He's I talk awesome. about impact, I have to say I love two people, and that is Josh Alexander and Diana Perrazzo. So that the, that is my. That, yeah, they're they're both ex- they're both excellent. Seriously, Diana is as good as she says she is. Um, Josh Alexander, I, I have a lot of respect for because I've just gotten to talk to him as a as a as a man to man, just as a human being. Right. Uh, I was so impressed. I remember uh, we did Under Siege in Cincinnati. I think it was in early May. And he had unfortunately been in a, in a car accident the day before. He just bought a new truck, oh. just bought a new truck. And he was driving from Canada to Cincinnati, which I think it's like a seven or eight hour drive, something like that. Halfway there, a Mack truck veers in front of his truck and basically smashes his truck into the median. And as a part of that, trying to pull away, rips the front of the truck off and just keeps on going thankfully uh josh and the passenger were not injured and it was just more of a bummer because his brand new truck was destroyed (laughs) now he's got to get a rental and he's got to make it all the way to cincinnati so when i saw him he obviously had already been through the ringer oh and by the way the next day he's got a world title defense against tomohiro freaking ishii Ishii. (laughs) so it's like not exactly uh you know not exactly an easy day at the office ishii and lit him up, and, and Josh gave it right back to him. So I have so much respect for what he did there. Um, and not to uh, 
cast aside Diana Perrazzo, but she's somebody that, you know, I crossed paths with her very briefly in WWE. Um, and now she's really found her footing in impact wrestling. I believe she was part of the first women's main event in the history of AEW dynamite. I don't know if that's yeah, or not. Uh, yeah. Mercedes Martinez, the, the ring of honor women's world championship yeah. match. So, I mean, she's doing some things that I don't know she ever dreamed that she could do. And I think when you watch her out there, she is, in the zone she is very very comfortable now her teaming with chelsea green the tag team known as vexed um they are really really fun to watch they're awesome and not to mention the fact of being while kenny omega was collecting belts she was doing a little bit of the same at the oh, same yeah. time yeah, yeah. We, we we talk about it all the time uh, like matthew raywalt's her biggest fan obviously but she was <laughs> she's been a champ champ she's been a double champion twice there's a lot of women in the history of professional wrestling in, in any major promotion especially WWE, that can't say that they've accomplished that. Um, yeah. For her to have captured the Knockouts title, the AAA Reina de Reina's title, the Ring of Honor Women's Championship, like she, she's done a lot. And I, do, I think she's just getting started, which is crazy. She's going to set some records. No, I cannot wait to have her on the show sitting across in, in your spot right now. It's going to be – that is going to be a show. I'm very much oh, looking yeah. forward to that. Definitely hit her up, yeah. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry, my friend. I'm way ahead of you. I'm way ahead of you on that. Um, so I did – yeah. It was obvious. I couldn't not talk to you about Impact because obviously this has been a big it, this past year for Impact has been the best year for that company for as long as for, for a while. And I like I said, I'm just so happy to see uh, everyone in that promotion thriving. And it's, uh, it's just great to watch every week. And uh, it's a fantastic wrestling, man. And I'm very happy yeah. that, that you're a part of it. Thank you. Um, yeah, they, they, they had to come out of the pandemic just like everybody else. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, I experienced it in WWE and that working in front of no fans sucks. How uh, was that, by the way? Eerie. Really eerie. Because like the, the first few weeks and months, there's no, there's no crowd whatsoever. And then, um, you know, we had to compensate for it. So you're talking more. You're jacked up like it's the craziest thing you ever saw because you got to fill the airspace. Right. Um, it was just very strange it was like being on a movie set or something like that not necessarily in an arena and then i had to i had somebody remind me um because i, I, had, a, I had a chance to be part of the the card for the pay-per-view event called rick flair's last match recently in yeah. nashville and i think that was in front of something north of like eight thousand fans no, no disrespect to conrad thompson i think it was ten thousand somewhere forty-seven thousand people anyway um <laughs> so it's a lot of people and um i was like wow i was like this is really cool this is awesome and a friend of mine was like yeah you hadn't been in front of a an arena, a stadium size, you know, not a football stadium, but an arena right. of that size since before the pandemic hit in March of 2020. Jesus. And I was like, oh, that's why that felt so, you know, so awesome. And on top of that, yeah, it was Ric Flair's last match. Like, I couldn't believe I was part of the card. So there was a lot of stuff that kind of all came into one in that night. It was just incredibly special. I'm so grateful that uh, Rick and Conrad gave me that opportunity. No, congratulations on that, man. That is very, very well deserved. It was, it, it was you. Shivani was there. Was Mauro Ronaldo there? No, it was. Uh, so it was Tony Shivani and David Crockett who yeah, were kind of holding things yeah. down on commentary through the entirety of the night. Um, and then myself, Ian Riccoboni, um, Joe Dombrowski, Scott Demore, and Dave Brazak. I think is how you say his name. I might be butchering his name. Um, all kind of rotated in and represented okay. our respective companies. Yeah, that's yeah, that's great. It was a hell of a card too, by the way. It was really neat. It was like, you don't see that 
very often anymore. It's either it was, this promotion's doing something or that promotion's doing something. Yeah, I was so, gonna say it was the definition of a variety show, really. I mean, that it, was it, it was a great opportunity for a lot of showcase uh, mm -hmm. matches, and then you also got these dream matches. I got to call for a minute Alexander versus Fatu, and that got ruined by the major players. Talked about Brian Myers that. SOB. So uh yeah, <laughs> but no, it was it was great. Um you just don't see that very often. I know AEW just did uh Forbidden Door with New Japan Pro Wrestling and um WWE obviously keeps themselves. So it's just you don't see that very often and to get that type of cooperation, um it it speaks to who Ric Flair is and what he means to professional wrestling. He is a phenomenon uh in Americana and pop culture. Like he's he transcends wrestling. So it made sense that so many great people came together to make that happen. Do you think that now under new leadership in WWE, we could see a crossover thing like that? Not even necessarily in like the near future, but like, you know, at some point. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe, you know, the, what's the old adage? Never say never. So sure, I yeah. mean, WWE seems to be doing just fine. Uh, they have been for a long time. So, um, yeah, I think it was cool to see something like New Japan Pro Wrestling against AEW, Forbidden Door. You know, it was it was cool. Um, but yeah, who knows? I feel like they need to start calling that something else, too, by the way, because the door isn't so forbidden anymore. <laughs> it's pretty wide open at this yeah. point. Yeah, I don't know. I think they have the copyright on it, so there's that. Oh, good for them. Good yeah, for them. good for them. Yeah. <laughs> Pro Wrestling's great. That's fine. Dude, I, I love it. Like it's a it's a variety show, as you mentioned, you know, whether it was Ric Flair's last match or any show, like you get to run the full gamut of emotions, at least as a commentator, and then you you get some you just get so many different things all at once. And like I, I, I love doing what I'm doing with Matthew Raywalt right now. Like we had Dude, a, I am so I'm so happy for him too, but yeah, oh he's he's great. Criminally underrated in the world of color commentators and professional wrestling. The fact that he's working for two different companies, New Japan and Impact, and doing—I don't know how in God's job. name he does that because he's really smart and he's really good at what he does. <laughs> um, but he's—he—he he gets to be, uh, you know, more of the sports analyst with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and then when he sits with me, he—he he turns up the heel uh, dial, so to speak. He's awesome, and like he was uh, the best sign of a good like co-host is somebody who can make you laugh on air and like Dio Brown has said that to me, but like I've laughed on air with Corey Graves, Samoa Joe, Byron Saxton, uh, Cole, JBL King, like Booker. Oh my God. Especially Booker. I can imagine <laughs> um, Booker. Yeah. And just, I'm, I'm so fortunate. I've had all these great partners and then like got to work with Dilo for a night and he was great. And then Matthew Raywalt, like the, the episode of impact that aired, not this Thursday, but the week prior, like I was in stitches, like every other segment. And I was like, this is great. I get paid to do this. I'm pretty happy. <laughs> so in my head, like I was wondering how the hell can Matt do that? But then I, I remember you like impact schedule. I mean, it's much lighter because you know, most of it is, you know, taped in advance and whatnot. So that's true. I'm sure that's easier on his schedule being able to do both shows then. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it, it, it's definitely helpful. And then new Japan, I think runs a similar style stateside right now. They're taping a lot of, a lot of shows. Okay. So, um, yeah, it just, it just makes everybody's life a little bit easier. So it's fun to do live television. I love doing live television. I'm really excited about emergence and anytime we go live, it's special. Um, but being able to tape shows and take a little time off, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Still got, yeah, still got a rampant crowd there who, you know, I, I think, Impact has that like really domestic environment where it's just it kind of reminds me of like classic ECW where it's just like, you know, I, how much 
how many fans are, I don't know if you know this at the top of your head, but like if, if you had to guess, like an added average, like impact TV taping, how many do you guys have usually? I, I really don't know. Uh, I can't say I pay attention to all that much. I have my, my horse blinders on, but mm -hmm. um, no, I agree with you in terms of it's got that, it's got that underground feel yes, it's yes. intimate. Um, and uh, listen, my experience was WWE before this. So I had chances to work NXT UK and especially NXT black and gold. When I look at what impact is now, it feels a lot like triple H's vision for mm -hmm. NXT black yes. and gold. Yes. And then especially working NXT UK, it's a very similar production style. It's a very similar layout based on the venue. So when I got, uh, into impact and they explained what the schedule and the taping uh, regimen was like to me i was like oh yeah that's no problem i've done that before so right. that, that made it really really simple um and i personally just love those environments because when you can get that size crowd to be raucous it feels phenomenal it's a really special feeling was it always pro wrestling for you that like you wanted you know was this always the vision or is it you know perhaps a different uh um, no, and I've talked about this on other shows, but like I, I grew up and I was a casual fan uh, of pro wrestling. My parents were not really cool with me watching wrestling because you can imagine. So like I'm, I was born in 1989. So the height of the Attitude Era is late 90s, early 2000s. So I'm like 10. Yeah. And I'm trying to throw on, you know what I affectionately refer to sometimes as a sex, drugs, rock and roll era of professional <laughs> wrestling. Would your parents <laughs> let you watch that stuff? You know, it's there was some stuff that was on TV where it was like, yeah, no, I totally understand it. Uh, it yeah. was like fun because it felt rebellious, et cetera. And I would sneak down to the basement and I would watch uh, Monday Night Raw on like one volume and kind of hide out and hopefully mom and dad don't find me. So I was into wrestling. I played the video games. I played WWF No Mercy on N64, the same with WCW versus NWO Revenge. I was into the video games and then. I think once I started being able to play um, football in seventh grade, really got more into the sports side in high school and college. And when I went to college, I was majoring in broadcast journalism, sports journalism specifically. So that was my goal was to wind up in something in conventional sports. And then the opportunity with WWE came around when I was 23, 23. So, I mean, like 2012. So I was just like, I, I got really lucky and I just, you know, I was brand new to everything. They taught me a lot. You know, for somebody who has, and not to say that I'm anywhere near the extent that you are, um, but for the past year who has ventured into more wrestling stuff, mm. it's so, to me, that's like my, I don't know, for lack of a better term, my escape. Like wrestling's like my, my play time when it comes to like talking about it or whatnot. Like don't get me wrong, like, Football will always be that thing that drives me and like want to do it. But I think that having that, you know, that other thing that you can turn to and be like, yes, let's go do a podcast about wrestling. Let's go talk. Like, I think it's nice to have that as, you know, a second, at least for me. I don't know. Like, does like doing Penn State, doing the pay dirt and whatnot, is that mm -hmm. like, do you, I don't want to say, do you enjoy doing that more than wrestling? But like, is that comparing the two? Is it like a different feeling almost rather? It's it's very different. They're satisfying in two completely different ways. Wrestling has become my passion. Yeah, you can say that I wasn't a diehard fan growing up, but sure. I became a huge fan of, of doing this, and I love doing commentary. It's for all the ups and downs in my life, being able to put on a headset and talk about wrestling for an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, whatever. It's an escape. 
and it's just you get to play make believe for a little while and just get lost and have fun with these you know this kaleidoscope of characters it's so much fun and there there's a million different things that go into those shows that make them complicated challenging but fun then when it comes to doing conventional sports it's these things that i take um they're more parts of my childhood i think and as i mentioned you know penn state is a big part of my childhood altogether so now to be interacting with former players and they're telling me that they watch the show that they listen to the show and they want to come on the show and they like the show i'm like this is the coolest thing ever because the little kid in me is like, oh yeah, like you could have a show where you're talking to your your quote unquote heroes or just guys that you watch playing, then you respect them. It's so cool. Like I just get to be a fan at the end of the day. I know I'm supposed to be the host and the broadcaster, but I'm sitting there just being like, oh, this is cool, man. I'm a fly on the wall for a conversation, and and especially for my co-host is Matt McGloin. He played with a lot of these guys, and they don't always keep in touch. Like anybody that went to college together, they don't talk all the time. So I get to witness some reunions like these guys haven't seen each other in years. And they're just like, oh, remember this? Remember that? It's so much fun, man. It's really cool. No, it's great. Um, I was going to say recently you had who uh, Derek Moy on the show recently, right? Yes. Yeah. We just had Derek Moy on the show. We, we've had some him, did him and McGloin play together. I feel like they did. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Derek Moy got on campus, I think, in 2007. So they overlap for a good amount. Um, McGloin got on campus in 2008. So, uh, yeah, they played together a lot. And McGloin, McGloin pretty much, uh, I, I don't want to say Moy was his favorite target, but you knew who was going to be the game changer wide receiver for that group. Nothing against Brett Brackett and Graham Zug, who we've also had on the oh show. Oh, my but, goodness, Tom. You just took me down like a, right? a hot tub time machine. Oh, it's my the best. goodness. Yes. Um, but there was these incidents, like as we're talking to Derek Moy, is that I, I joke that McGloin kind of had this attitude of like, even if his eyes were covered, he was like, you know, that old adage of screw it. Moy's down there somewhere. <laughs> and it worked somewhere. a lot. It worked <laughs> a lot. So um, it, it was really neat because we got Brackett and Zug on the same episode. Um, and we were like, man, we got to get Derek Moy. And it took us a minute to, to track him down, but we got him. So we've we've had a lot of really cool guests on the show and we have plenty more to come um, as we continue to reach out. We're just trying to we, we like being like the players podcast because yeah, that's, I, that's I personally sympathize with players in terms of all the developments with NIL name, image and likeness right. benefits. I'm like, yeah, get your money. These could be the four best years of your life. It's 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 the Tim Tebow model. When and that was really, the, I think, the core of why NIL came around. And we all know how the EA video games changed. How it's like, hey, that's me, you know, in like the, the EA basketball game. Like, that's not what, you. That's quarterback what, number 16. Who was who's the UCLA <laughs> player that was like, that was they, oh, me. That's going to piss I can't me remember off. who. I watched, the, uh, I watched the John Oliver episode about it, and he was in it. And they talked, yeah. oh, man. That's yeah, going to piss that, me off. Absolute legend. I'll look it up. I'm sure yeah. somebody in the comments will pull yeah. it up. But that and then the football game, everybody was like, these kids aren't getting paid for this. And to the point about Tim Tebow, at one point when he was a Florida Gator, his jersey was the most popular jersey in American sports, period. Yeah, not just college sports. Period. And he was asked, they're like, wouldn't you want to cut of that money? And he was very, you know, Tebow. Tim and Tebow he was like, the University of Florida gave me an opportunity to get an education and play football. I want them to have that money. It's like fair. There's other guys who are like, yeah, that's my name and number. That's my likeness. I remember when Johnny Manziel got in trouble for selling autographs and he sat out like one half of football. The Alabama game. Yeah. And he came back in and he lit it up. And I was like, I love that guy because he beat the system. Yeah. So I am all four players getting their chance to make some money because you don't know 
when it could all be over and you're the, the best years of your life from a money-making perspective could be those four years in college. Yeah. So why not make the most of that situation? So I am firmly on the side of the players in all of this stuff when it comes to NIL transferring, going early to the NFL draft. I'm like, make your money, take care of yourself, take care of your family. Have you ever seen the movie, the program? Yes. Love the program. The, Great the movie. scene where uh, Darnell Jefferson awesome movie. tells Alvin Mack that he just got, money from a booster he's like you take your money where you can get it because the nc double assholes don't let us have jobs <laughs> that's my favorite one of my favorite Such quotes a from good movie, movie. Oh, i dude. remember um playing high school football and our center uh invited my brother and i over to his house and like a couple other players to, like watch the program and he did that regularly like every <laughs> couple of weeks or every other year he'd be like oh we're gonna we're watching the program I'm like we watched this at alex's house before but i was like that's eh, a good movie i'm definitely gonna go watch it and i was like this this is an awesome flick now that i'm thinking of it i'm definitely gonna watch that this week one of my favorite movies of all time i can pro if i like put a number on it i think i've seen that movie no less than 40 times I wow love, okay that's way more than me but i love I, that I, movie I man well yeah I had it on well, my dad had it on DVD when I was growing up. So I just for some I just watched it a ton. So yeah, great movie. Anytime I can work the program into a show, it's it's a good show. Not easy. Not easy. This is a challenging movie for a lot of PG programming, but I, I definitely need to check that out again. That's, That's a perfect movie. segue because I do like to dive into the interests of guests. Uh Sean Ross Sapp collects toys, found mm. and he likes Doja Cat and did, what, did you I, I don't know Sean, so I I can't say I would guess what it is. But Doja Cat is the only, so. Here's a funny story. The only way I became aware of Doja Cat was Dave season two. Really? Okay. Oh, that's so, uh, that's a little Dicky's show, right? Yeah, little Dicky's show. The the rapper from Philadelphia. It's on FX. It's called Dave. His it real is name. Funny. Dave. It is funny. It's an awesome. It, yes awesome show me and some of my closest friends are obsessed with this show however my friends know i'm like just wildly out of touch with things in pop culture so like um doja cat's on there and i'm like who's doja cat and uh my one friend looks at me and she was like you've got to be kidding me like you've never heard of doja cat she's one of the biggest stars in the world and she's so sweet and she comes across like in, in the episode she's so sweet and she comes across so likable and i was like rooting for doja cat and then dave's character uh really just isn't very nice to her and i was like oh doja cat's just trying to find love like what's wrong with that uh, so there is a lot of stuff and then um benny blanco i never heard of benny blanco and my, I've heard my, the name. Who is Benny Blanco? <laughs> one of my best friends from North Carolina is like, you're kidding me. Like Benny Blanco produced a lot of Justin Bieber's uh, stuff, and he's done oh, a million things in music and entertainment. And I just never heard of him. And then when you see him as a human being, you're like, oh, I wouldn't have expected this person to look like this. And he was just so ridiculous on the show. It was hysterical. So I, I've learned a lot from that show. I'm really excited. Yeah. Yeah, no, like I'm not in touch with like the uh, the rap music culture too much, but Dave is funny. I watched a, a decent amount of that. Um, trying to like trying to figure out what music you enjoy just by looking at you. Let's see if I can pick that apart real quick. Probably an easy guess. <laughs> uh, do you, you seem like a guy that would enjoy a little bit of country music? A little bit of country music. Yeah, yeah. I, I lived in Orlando for three years, so just being in the sunshine and then being like easily accessible to beaches and then just kind of general Florida culture. Right. Country music was on a lot. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Do you like rap music then, Tom? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely listen to a fair amount of rap. I have okay. 
it's the it's the most difficult question you can ask anybody is like what kind of music do you listen to i like i i almost want to punch somebody in the face nothing against you or whatever it's like what kind of music do you like like, i don't have 45 minutes to explain what kind of music i like because it's all based on mood it's based on company it's based on environment there's some instances where i'm like hey i'm at the beach and it's a beautiful day i'm gonna throw on some country music and then there's other times i'm at the gym there's gonna be a fair amount of lincoln park and uh freaking uh limp biscuit or something like that there's other days where i'm just chilling and yeah you can probably guess this guy likes john mayer yep so <laughs> there's all sorts of things that it's like okay you know it, it's i'm all over the map and i think everybody's all over the map with music i think you meet, so too you meet a person that they're like i listen to one genre of music and it's house music and that person's a dick to, they're insane so variety i think is best when it comes to music can you guess what i like by looking at me uh, uh, our boy Matty Fresh from Penn State. Matty Fresh. Oh, the Tracebook Sorley guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a buddy. He's I a guy. shit you not, man. Um, what was it? Somebody, one of my friends, is at Cardinals camp. Um, because he covers the Cardinals, and he mm-hmm. tweeted a clip of McSorley, and I tweeted like inhales deeply, and was like, throw it on a dime, and oh, dude, oh. <laughs> I gotta admit, it's Jahan Dotson's song. Very catchy. There's a Jahan Dotson song. It's a Jahan Dotson song. It's really good. Yeah. Oh, I gotta hear <laughs> like, that. I'm I a little, heard that yet. I'm a little bit like, come on, man, don't be such a Penn State football fan that this is what you listen to. And I threw it on. And I was like, yeah, it's a, it's a really catchy hook. It's really good. But we had Trace on the podcast. And I'm jealous. I love Trace McSorley. He was he was the nicest guy. And I asked him, I was like, are you aware that your song Trace McSorley has seven million plus views <laughs> on YouTube? Sorry. And he was like, I did not know that. And he's like, it just took on this life of its own. Uh, so, well, yeah. dude, when he threw his first touchdown in Baltimore, the NFL account, like in their caption for it, like quoted the song. <laughs> like, oh yeah, well because it. when he got drafted. It's the thing that drives me nuts about NFL draft coverage. It's why I don't watch it anymore. Is that they'll pick like the most obscure thing about this guy. Like oh, this yeah. guy eats the center of Oreos only, and I'm like, I don't <laughs> care. Go away. Like I'm sick of people talking about. It. I'm like, I'm here to watch football stuff. And it's like, like he it's likes like diet Sunkissed. Yes, like, it's like that. Uh, like a crap dating show where like they give like two normal awful. facts about a person but the third one's like always out of left like this is gary he's from indiana and he hates purple gift wrap like what and the fuck is that there's no it's it's either fantastical or catastrophic it's either like some horrible thing that happened to him to the point yeah where like, dude depressed like, yeah and i understand the goal there is that you want to root for him and he's an underdog and you you support him and you care about him i don't like, yeah i can be all those things but i'm like yeah. i want to be excited about the future of my team and yeah. you're bumming me out or yeah. you're telling me something silly yeah there's got to be a happy medium so that, that's that why i don't watch the nfl draft coverage anymore i just like oh it's on my phone done Diet Sunkiss. That was that was a good one. I, I <laughs> that was good. What were we? Oh yeah, no, you were guessing what I. Maddie Fresh. Yes, you guessed it. I didn't. I did enjoy the Trace McSorley song. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, go much. check out Maddie Fresh's other stuff. He's. I'll, got, I'll got have to. Bangers. I'll check yeah. out the Jahan Dotson one. But uh, no, yeah. I mean, I like, I like like today like modern rock, metal stuff, country. Mm-hmm. Those are like the two the two big ones. I'll send okay. you some stuff. That sounds, yeah. Oh yeah, go for it. Yeah, I um I listened to um. I, I just again, I have a lot of different uh, artists I listen to, but I love Mac Miller. I'm a big fan of Mac Miller. Um, so there's here's the thing of... about that, Tom. Mm. I don't dislike Mac Miller, mm. but when you live in Pittsburgh, 
And when you go out to, a, to Jimmy D's on a Friday night and they play the spins every weekend, everywhere you go, yeah. after a while, you're like, all right, I don't need to hear this song for the rest of my life. Well, you know how liberally in Philadelphia they play Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill. Oh, Hill. Jesus. Like, I, man, love, dude. I love that song, but like it, they just beat it to death. Be, yeah. Yeah, it happens. That's that's every major city when it's like, oh, that's our guy. You know? Yeah, no, I get it. But like, I just, I'm not a big rap fan to begin with. And I'm sure that like I didn't listen to much Mac Miller prior to his passing. And mm-hmm. I think that afterwards it just blew up. So, yeah, this is. Good for like I'm not shitting on your music taste, by the way. No, no, but like that that's that's the thing, is like you get in the car with somebody and they're like, Oh, I don't like your playlist. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it's mine. Yeah, because it's mine. I didn't make this for you. I don't care what your ears want to hear. I am interested in what makes me happy or can I tell you a few about guilty pleasures? Good. I will say I have at least 75 One Direction songs that I know word for word. Okay. That is 75 more than I do. I don't I can't say I know. I'm sure, like, if you played one, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I've heard that." I'm before. sure, like, if you, if I, I couldn't name one, one, sure. one Direction yeah, song, yeah. yeah. Um, um, I knew, I've I've had a couple of people tell me it's like, "Ah, oh, Harry Styles has some decent stuff." Like, he oh, does, genuinely, yeah, he does. Yeah, but then instantly, like, if you tell somebody you like Justin Bieber, they immediately, I think, go to like the 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 uh, the teenage version. Of yeah, Justin Bieber, and yeah. I'm like, no, I'm like Bieber. The last five years is well, like some good stuff. I'm a fan, and and again, everybody can be like, this guy likes Justin Bieber. That's shocking. It's like, yeah, he's got some decent stuff. Go away. He does. He does. I remember when I'm the one came out, and I was obsessed with that song. Yeah, for a that, while. that was popular. That was, for yeah, a while. that was like the bop of the summer. Was it 2017? That was your graduated high school. <laughs> it's the song of the summer, like Fetty Wap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, did, were you? Did Fetty Wap? He came. But if Eddie Wap, uh, God, what year was that? Like 2016. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. No, um, it wasn't very. One of my that... one of my closest friends from North Carolina. Every time I see him, he's like, "I've got like a dozen songs to help supplement your your listening." And he and I pretty much learn everything from him from a music standpoint. <laughs> he came. Fetty Wap came to Slippery Rock like the year before, like at the peak really? of his popularity. I don't know how the hell they afforded him, but he was there the year before I got there. So that was that must have been That's a fun cool. time. I'm yeah. always amazed, like State College, Pennsylvania, the Bryce Jordan Center where the Penn State basketball team plays. They get some great acts. Oh, they, I, yeah. They get Drake in there on a regular basis. I think Adele has been through there. Like they have done some amazing business for a town that is largely in the middle of nowhere. And no disrespect. I love the town, but yeah. it's like they do really well. I'm trying to think of the ones that we had when I was there. Like there's usually, I think, the like student program board, like they would try to book like two speakers per semester and two concerts per semester. So mm. um, who did we have? I remember Simple Plan was there. Love uh, Simple Plan. Simple Plan's big, great. Big Simple Plan fan. Yeah, They played the What's New Scooby-Doo theme song, and I, I could have died a happy man. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much like that late 90s. Would you call it emo? Um, like punk, punk, I think, is like, not the appropriate yeah, like, term for it. Yeah, no, they're not they're definitely not like punk. You could call them emo, I guess. Emo rock or something like that. that yeah, I think that's, that's probably about, yeah, I yeah. Agree. Simple plan, uh, newfound glory. You're probably a big um, yellow card guy. Yellow card, yeah, this yellow card, Ocean <laughs> Avenue is a solid CD. Yeah, this is <laughs> so much. There's so much music that you could be like, yeah, what's this? Normal looking white guy. This unassuming <laughs> white guy, like probably yellow card, probably John Mayer, probably Justin Bieber. Were you a big uh My Chemical Romance guy? 
a couple, a couple, not a ton, but like uh, Black Parade. I love Black Parade. That's a, that's a great song. But yeah, I can't say I've I went deep into my camel. My I remember camel. the first My Chemical Romance song I heard. I was in like first grade. I heard the song Teenagers, and I was like, I don't know what this is, but I love it. Well, I'm I forget when Good Charlotte was hot. I was not like super into Good Charlotte, but I was probably Charlotte. like two thousand, like oh six or like oh eight ish. Yeah, so I, I was still. I don't want to be in back end back end of high school for me. Yeah, it's like um, I can't I can't remember the names of the songs, but if I heard them, I'd immediately. You know how like you remember every song from your childhood or from like high school, but I can't remember like if I did laundry or not. Yeah, I can remember every freaking lyric, and I was like, if I could have ripped this out of my head for like some useful information, that would be great. That would be great. Oh man, the that era of music just. Oh God, it ruled. <laughs> that was great. Well, I like my I followed a lot of my brother's lead with whatever he was listening to. So like it took me probably three newfound glory albums to be like, this is the same album every time. <laughs> this, this is a different song. And I would just and after a while I was like, okay, I can stop. And I've gotten you know enough of newfound glory and I can and move on to somebody else. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Now now for me, it's they're the big ones that I really like. Ice Nine Kills is my favorite band. Check. I think you would enjoy them. I'll look do, that do, up. do you like horror movies? No. Oh no. Oh. I, I I'm so jumpy. I scare her very easily. So well, their their whole gimmick is that they do songs about horror movies. Their last two albums have been horror movie based. It's been it's pretty good. Oh, okay. It's yeah. still cool though. Um, Great music. There's there's so many people that I worked with in WWE who are huge horror movie fans, huge oh, horror movie fans. And they're like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna watch whatever, you know, it or something like that. And I was like, no. No, what like Kayla Braxton is like a huge fan of horror movies and she's really like, oh yeah like I'm so excited for this I'm gonna watch this really messed up movie and I'm like <laughs> I, I can't do it because what what drives me nuts is like I like old school horror movies I like uh like the original Halloween where it's it's more of a thriller oh buddy yeah you don't gotta tell me like that's my that's there that's you my, go my favorite it's, movie of all time it's building the suspense and and the terror appropriately and it's a good film so many horror movies in the last 20 years are just it's a jump cut and there's a screech and there's some cgi like something comes out and i'm like you didn't actually accomplish a good story you just anybody could do something you just dressed it up and you made me go oh you know which is easy to do and i know myself but i also don't understand the people who are like i want to go to a movie theater and be like oh like for 90 minutes i'm like no this I, terrible. I wanna, dude i don't know what it is but it's just fun being scared i don't like yeah, knowing not, that, not for me man knowing no. that there's like no actual danger but it's it's just fun there's some video on on uh vic joseph uh, he's on nxt 2.0 of him jumping out of a locker uh in a locker room i think somewhere in atlanta and scaring me and i just you know, <laughs> tense up like this i i, I hate it and Matt Bloom would do that to me all the time. My brother did that to me constantly growing up. And I was just like, yeah, I understand where all of it comes from. And I just, I can't overcome it. No, oh, that's funny. Oh, I was going to add on to that real quick, but I forget what I was. Oh, damn it. That's going to piss me off. Oh, yeah. Music. Uh, motionless and white. You know who they are? What was that again? Motionless and white. No, can't say no. I'm just going to keep naming white guy bands and hope that one of these sticks. <laughs> <laughs> probably will yeah <laughs> i told sean the same thing and like it's hard to find people who are into like maybe not hard 
just people I've talked to just haven't been into it. And I'm going to keep asking the same questions at the end until I find somebody who's like, oh, yeah, I fucking love them. Yeah, it's it's really cool when you do meet somebody that has like your exact same taste in music. And I, I every once in a while bump into somebody like one of my closest friends who lives in Maryland. He and I have like that same emo rock Right. love so like i remember showing him my playlist and he's like this he's like i love this and I was like, great like those are really special uh relationships i think that you can develop and i remember uh i remember working with somebody in wwe where we both um realized we both loved the the ocean avenue yellow card album and i was like it's a good album like it's top to bottom i enjoy it so it's just really cool and then when you find those people like i mentioned my, my buddy in north carolina is like hey man like can you send me some new stuff? I just need something new as opposed to like going on to Spotify. Like you might like this. Yeah. I don't know. I get bored of going through that and trial and error. And I'm like, I feel like I end up wasting 20 minutes of just skipping through 30 seconds, 30 seconds. I will say like the, uh, that like daily, that weekly, whatever the hell it's called, where they try to help you find new music. I found some good stuff in there. I found some crap too, but like, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's very hit and miss when it comes to that. Uh, you say you don't like horror movies. The, do you have a favorite movie of all time? Um, I I love comedies. I love to laugh. So I mean, like I'm. Uh, it, it seems like a cliche answer, but like Animal House just never gets old. Yeah. Animal House was great. Caddyshack is just awesome. Yeah, I love fantastic. I love Mel Brooks movies. Okay, um, Mel Brooks comedies like Spaceballs, Blazing Saddles, um, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Young Frankenstein. Anything like that where it's just like silly, yes, silly yeah. stuff, and a lot of it is uh, like puns and like wordplay. Like you just said this thing, and it turns the whole scene on its head. Um, I love just silly humor. Where again, it's you were talking about wrestling or something like that. I'm not saying wrestling silly, but it's a chance to just kind of get lost and turn off your brain for a minute. I love doing that with just great silly comedies where I'm like, I can just get lost in how stupid this comedy is and just lose it it's the best you look like a guy that, that sounds like a guy who would enjoy beavis and butthead you know i didn't get into beavis and butthead that much oh. like i i, I tried no, we look it. like we look like handsome butthead and handsome beavis right now you can't. <laughs> i i tried to get into it I, I i don't know if that was something maybe that my parents weren't cool with i can't remember exactly but like i watched a lot of south park oh okay I love South Park. So, um, dude, I've never seen an episode of South Park that hasn't made me audibly like belly laugh at least once. That show show doesn't miss. I, I started losing interest in it when it got more about a show that was like commenting on society and current events. Yeah, the, that's fair. The first, you know, the first run like those, I forget how many seasons before they really started doing that. But when it was based on the characters and the stories, with just, yeah, those characters, just the kids being kids, when... Cartman makes Scott Tennerman eat his parents. <laughs> Such a good episode. It's fantastic. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. Uh, and then when they started doing stuff that was more commentary based, it was cool because people were like, oh, they spoofed this, they spoofed that. And I'm like, after a while, I was like, they spoofed everything. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, you're you're losing me a little bit. Yeah. So I still like it. I'll still flip it on. I love Family Guy. Family, Family Guy is fantastic. Yeah. yeah, like any, any sort of like most like cartoons where it's like adult humor or something yeah. like that like a family guy or um the early seasons of archer Dude, love archer is so so really underrated good. i love yeah, another one where it's just silly a lot of word play and uh i don't know i i love that no i uh phrasing is still a very big part of my vocabulary and in a lot of ways i identified with archer because i was like <laughs> i'm wearing a suit and i'm supposed to be professional and such but in my <laughs> head i'm just like i just want to be 
just I, I just want to be funny or I want to be silly or something like that and just do something that'll make like my co-host laugh or whatever or just not take things so deathly seriously even though I'm buttoned up in a suit. That's fantastic. Um, they need a new James Bond. How's your British accent? Have you thought about like movie acting? It's not great. Uh, <laughs> um, if I thought about movie acting, um, no. Uh, no. I mean, it's not that I wouldn't entertain it or something like that. Um, God knows nobody's beating down my door to do it. Um, and I think for James Bond, you have to be. I was gonna say you would. You have to be older. Like I don't think I look old enough to be James Bond. I think they'd be like, why is there a 12 year old playing James Bond or something? So um, I'm patting myself on the back as I'm saying that, but yeah, um, that, I, I love James Bond growing up. I was always a big fan of that. I'm, and it's, it's rough just because like every other movie's good and bad. And yeah. Good and bad and and flows, but um, yeah, I, I always liked James Bond, but yeah, who yeah knows? I got, I got a Connery right above my shoulder. That's my dude. Connery was the best. Connery had some, the, the Connery bond, was my favorite bond connery the snl connery celebrity jeopardies got me back into sean connery I oh think. god that was like my brother and i would recite that dude like Ferguson, still, it's, we're blue in the face yeah and your wife shit on my face Trevor. Just, <laughs> there's, there's so many that uh snl just nailed uh, with those celebrity was, jeopardies and, and that was one of to them. this day i don't know how will ferrell pulled that stuff off how? Crazy, because everybody looks at Connery. Or they, um, it's the actor. Those I can't remember. Him. I cannot remember the actor. Daryl Hammond. It might have been Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond. Um, he was outstanding. Obviously, it's it's this thing in in entertainment. It's almost harder to be the straight man. It's, yes. It, it's fun to be big and bombastic and crazy. It's another thing to sit there and not laugh, laugh. and just be the pivot point for the scene or for the joke like that's really really difficult yeah will ferrell bless his heart he's i think he gets a lot of credit for how talented he is yeah he still doesn't get enough because the what he was able to do i couldn't do that i couldn't keep it together that's oh it was crazy and well and then also being the straight guy for a lot of like a movie like the other guys, but being able to go back and forth and such a great movie, be crazy and be the Gator character for a second, and then come back to being the straight man. The stuff with uh, Eva Longoria was it Eva Longoria or Eva Mendes? Yeah, Eva Mendes. Oh my God! And Mark Wahlberg just being like, "Shut up! This isn't your wife." Like it was uh, that hey, movie. Look, they can't all be first round picks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I I showed that movie to my dad not long ago. And the first run through, it was like, hey, it was funny. You know, was this this was cool. This was cool. And I was like, this is the type of movie that if you watch it like five times, not like consecutively, but yeah. like every time you watch it, you'll notice something different. It's yeah. such a good movie. But I think that's that might be my favorite Pharaoh movie. Not like he's just so on point on that. And so just like funny without really having to do much of anything, just be just that quirky character. Very effortless. I it's love so semi-pro. Semi-pro. Oh, semi-pro is fantastic. The great Will Ferrell. The movie. the intro scene where like he's doing the starting lineup is one of my favorite Ferrell moments. It is so funny. Oh, Will Arnett's character on commentary is essentially what I would hope to be if I could not take <laughs> anything seriously and not worry about getting fired or something on the air. I'm like, oh great. How do I do what Will Arnett did in this movie? <laughs> you just call me a jive turkey. <laughs> That's a fantastic. Oh, Tom, I don't want to keep you too much, man. I asked you for an hour, right? An hour, Ted. 
Uh, I appreciate it. Appreciate doing this with you again. Uh, tell the people what you got going on in your life. Yeah, um, I forget when this uh, this airs, but if you it'll drop later this week, probably like tomorrow or Thursday. Oh, great. Um, so this Friday, August 12th, is Emergence. Uh, Impact Wrestling will be live from Chicago, Cicero Stadium. Um, it's on Impact Plus, Fight TV, and YouTube for Impact's Ultimate Insiders. Um, if you're in the Chicago area, go to impactwrestling.com for tickets. And we'll be back the next night uh, to tape some TV. That's Second City Slam for Impact Wrestling. So again, everything's at impactwrestling.com. And then you can check out my podcast if you're a wrestling fan and a Penn State football fan and you can't get enough of me um go to uh believe.com that's b-l-e-a-v.com and search pater uh it's myself and former penn state nfl and xfl quarterback matt mcgloin and we're interviewing a lot of penn state uh ex-players and then we're also going to be previewing breaking down recapping all the games throughout the season so we're having a lot of fun with it and then every once in a while i'll pop up on espn radio doing some play-by-play and it's just kind of see where that happens well i'll I'll let everybody know when that's going to go down all right. And if you're listening to this show, you've probably already found the Believe Podcast Network because this is also on the Believe Podcast Network. So, oh, great. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we, so, we all know we know all the same people. Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, Tom, man, I love doing this with you. Um, let's do it again relatively soon. Um, good luck with Impact. Good luck with everything that you're doing. I'll be seeing you on Impact. I'll be watching Emergence. So, I'm looking forward appreciate to that. It. Yeah, man. No, it. Um, Thanks so, for having me on, man. I appreciate you. We'll do this again. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, however you're listening, whether it's on Twitter, YouTube, uh, wherever you get your podcast from. Appreciate it, as always. This has been No Notes.